In Southeast Agnet's Ag and Review for the week ending February the 5th, the National Cotton Council is extremely disappointed in Agriculture Secretary Vilsack's comments that USDA believes its legal interpretation of the Farm Bill does not provide the authority to make the cotton seed designation. And the Georgia Cotton Commission is another of the many in the cotton industry also disappointed. Richie Seaton, Executive Director of the Georgia Cotton Commission, says they are very disappointed in that decision. We feel that, as does the Ag Committee and the Congress, feel that the Secretary does have the authority to do so, and we're just very disappointed. Unfortunately, our industry is, is suffering right now from the unfair trade practices and uh, high levels of subsidies that both the Chinese and the Indian governments are uh, paying their cotton producers. It's very unfair, and not only are we trying to do something to aid our producers, but we're also heavily petitioning our government through our trade representatives to bring our concerns to the attention of the WTO and hopefully level up our playing field again. Seaton says while they are disappointed with Secretary Vilsack's decision, they really appreciate the support of many in this effort. We do very much appreciate the support of not only our delegation, a lot of ag organizations, our financial institutions. This was something that could have really helped our farmers, but we have to continue working and, and explore other avenues and hopefully a solution will come sooner than later. A USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service wants farmers and landowners to know a sign-up period has been announced for 2016 funding through the Conservation Stewardship Program. While NRCS accepts applications for CSP throughout the year, producers should submit applications by March 31st to ensure they are considered for enrollment in 2016. To learn more about that, just contact your local NRCS office. Well, the next step in the journey of the Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal was reached this past week with the signing of the agreement by member nations. Rod Bain has that story. Putting pen to paper, representatives of the 12 member nations within the Trans-Pacific Partnership signed agreement to this landmark trade deal Thursday morning, Auckland, New Zealand time, Wednesday evening in the United States. Prior to the signing event, U.S. Trade Representative Michael Froman spoke to reporters. The more people who've had a chance to dig into the details and review and understand the benefits are now coming out in support of it. Including agricultural groups like the American Farm Bureau Federation, as well as manufacturing, business, and IT organizations. These are organizations representing literally tens of thousands of businesses employing tens of millions of Americans who've endorsed TPP, and we expect the support will only grow over time. Now the TPP agreement must be ratified by the lawmaker bodies of all 12 nations, including the U.S. Congress, Japanese National Diet, and Canadian and Australian parliaments. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. A USDA announced that producers who have crops pledged as collateral for a marketing assistance loan can now purchase a commodity certificate that may be exchanged for the outstanding loan collateral. Tyron Spearman has more on that, along with the latest information concerning PNEC contracts being offered. USDA announced this week that producers who have crops pledged as collateral for a marketing assistance loan can now purchase a commodity certificate that may be exchanged for the outstanding loan collateral. The authority is provided in the 2016 Appropriations Act, legislation enacted by Congress in December. The commodity certificates are available beginning with the 2015 crop in situations where the applicable marketing assistance loan rate exceeds the exchange rate. Now, currently, the only eligible commodity is cotton, 
but there's also discussions about other commodities being added on in 2015, including peanuts and soybeans. But so far, cotton is the only thing for 2015. Others are expected to be added in 2016. Peanut contracts are now being offered in the southeast. Uh, these are regional contracts for runner-type peanuts. Contracts for 2015 uncontracted loan peanuts is 375 That's if a farmer had tonnage in the loan, but they have not been committed. Shellers must redeem those peanuts from the loan before they start shelling. However, some farmers have not signed their contracts, and this was to secure those. Then looking at 2016, runner-type peanuts have also been offered for a contract, 375 per ton, on 50% of the farmer's production from last year, some at 45%. Premiums of $25 have been offered for growing peanut seed or for high lake peanuts. I'm Tyron Spearman for Southeast Agnet. And with this week's Georgia Grown Moment, here's Nathan Wilson. For this week's Georgia Grown Moment, Courtney Hamilton of Southern Valley Farm talks about the farm and its rich family history. We're a family farm. We grow, ship, and pack fresh vegetables. Whole-grown cucumbers is our main product, and then we do squash, green beans, bell pepper, hot pepper, eggplants, sweet corn, cabbage, things like that. My dad and uncle, they came from a, a long line of farmers and decided to, that they wanted to start their own farming operation back in 1987, and they just started off really small over the years, you know, as we made money and just invested and continued to, to grow and it's expand the business. Courtney says that the Georgia Grown brand has become an important part of Southern Valley Farm. We're proud to promote our products from our Georgia Farms as a Georgia Grown product. We use the Georgia Grown logo on all of our boxes. The newsletters too that we get from, from Georgia Grown and being a member, you know, helps to keep us up to date in the industry. We're proud to be a, a Georgia farmer and be able to have Georgia Grown product to sell to our customers. For more information, visit southernvalley.us and georgiagrown.com. For Georgia Grown, I'm Nathan Wilson. The American Farm Bureau Federation wants to hear from farmers about using today's technology. Kathy Eisen reports that AFBF is encouraging all farmers and ranchers to take an online survey. The American Farm Bureau Federation is asking farmers to share their thoughts and experiences with ag tech providers that collect and sort through the oceans of data that stream from farm equipment into the cloud every day. Farm Bureau's Mary Kay Thatcher says the new survey aims to gouge farmer attitudes towards big data and the use of data in production agriculture. So we thought re-asking some of those questions would give us some indication about whether we've made any progress in the last 18 months and would also provide us some insight into some new issues, sort of a multifunctional survey. Thatcher says Farm Bureau wants to know more about transparency and data. Farm Bureau plans to enroll out a transparency evaluator to help farmers look through contracts with data suppliers. Among other things... The tool will focus on who owns which data and what they may or may not do with it, as well as any liabilities that could result from lost, stolen, or mishandled data. We want to make sure that farmers are thinking that that's a useful product and indeed that we've covered the waterfront with that product. And we also definitely want to look at the whole idea of how are farmers storing data, are they storing it, where are they storing it, and are they feeling a need for anything new. AFBF is encouraging all farmers and ranchers to take the online survey, which only takes about six minutes and enters them into a drawing for a $500 Visa gift card. We're looking for good response this time, but encouraging folks to go on the Farm Bureau website if they didn't get the link or go to their state Farm Bureau and they fill out probably a six or seven minute survey. I'm Kathy Isom, Southeast Agnet. And to wrap up this week's podcast, Everett Greiner talks about a 5,000-year-old bee study. 
Well, the search continues, but still no solution to what's causing colony collapse disorder. But really, you know, this search isn't even new. Colony collapse disorder is, but man's study of the honeybee and its relationship to humans has been going on for thousands of years. Carvings on rocks and chiseled murals have been traced back to time before the great Roman Empire. Now, most of these findings indicate the signs left were related to the honey and the wax, the tiny insect that created it. But some reveal problems in genetics and even survival of bees. So CCD is not the first time there's been population problems in the bee world. Beeswax was a vital component to life back then, too. So the search will go on. CCD will be stopped. Time. That's all. And that's Ag Review for today. Everett Griner, Southeast Agnet. Those reports and more can be heard on our website, southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.